Oh wow, hey, you made it. Thanks for stopping by our NFT conversation. I know you said you don't have a lot of time, so I'm not going to keep you very long. This is the guy I've been telling you about, Joshua Dono. Hi, my name's Josh. Uh, I'm one of the first people in the world to buy what is called an NFT. I got into crypto six years ago, and I discovered this thing called Ethereum because one of my developers at a company I was working at was like, hey, what do you think of Ethereum? I'm like, what? say that again he's like it's bitcoin but like different and so i went down the rabbit hole and and bought some myself and uh i just was like wow this technology is going to change the world and so i've always had this really interest in crypto uh and for i've done tens of not tens but done thousands of hours of research over the years uh professionally i have an advertising background i worked at a coding boot camp uh, where i met uj and today uh, I actually work in the crypto space uh, for or on a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. Think of it like a company structure, but it has no CEO or no corporate headquarters. It is a community of people that vote on certain things of where resources should be allocated. Mm -hmm. So I work on something called Tracer DAO, which yeah. is uh, a new derivative product for the DeFi ecosystem. That all sounds really interesting. So maybe take take us back a step. So you said you were one of the first persons to invest in, in NFTs. How how did that process come about for you? Yeah, uh, so I bought CryptoPunks back in the day. And uh, back in 2017, uh, these these images were, were launched on the internet. And I'll, I'll show them here. Uh, they were launched by these two gentlemen, Matt and John. And Matt and John are actually... Uh, went to UFT in Toronto. So there is a Toronto connection here. Matt and John here, they created um, these avatars here. And if you recognize this aesthetic, it looks a lot like the Android avatar. And so Matt and John are actually credited for creating the Android avatar. So they're both internet pioneers. They've um, done some amazing work. They actually work at Google Labs and this current company, Larva Labs. And they released this project called the CryptoPunks. And what the CryptoPunks are is they're these little avatars. And how I discovered this was I read an article somewhere. Someone was talking about it online. And one night I came and you could actually claim these for free in the beginning. Um, I missed the period because there's only 10,000. So once all 10,000 were claimed, there were none left. Uh, but I started buying them. And so I put $30, $50. And I wouldn't say... Jay, it was an investment at the beginning. I would say I thought they were really cool and I wanted to collect them. And now they've become uh, super valuable. Am I right about this? Was Did CryptoKitties come before CryptoPunks? No. So CryptoPunks was the original was NFT original. project. Okay. And it was the inspiration for CryptoKitties, which created the ERC-721 standard. So uh, previous okay. to the ERC-721, you had the ERC-20, which was what the ICO boom was all about, all about tokens. Yeah. Uh, but the mm -hmm. difference between an NFT, a non-fungible token, and a token is a token is just like, you know, if you had a pile of $100 bills and you added, Jay, another $100 bill, you know, you could mix mm -hmm. that up and pull any $100 bill out of the pile and it would be fungible. That's what fungibility means. And yeah. NFT is a unique asset. So it's the same concept. Let's say you had a pile of Pokemon cards and UJ added a Pikachu card to that pile. Well, not all yeah. those cards are the same. You know, you have Bulbasaur, you have other Pokemon in that, that, you know, thing. And you'll probably want your Pikachu out or, you know, a Charizard out. 
uh, but that means um, they're all different from each other. So there's no fungibility there. All right. So in, in non-fungible tokens, NFTs, each each token is uniquely identifiable. Exactly. So you're using the same token technology as a fungible token. However, what it represents is the ownership receipt to a unique asset. And it doesn't have to specifically be a digital asset. We've seen in Ukraine, a company there has NFT'd a piece of property, and they essentially use the crypto rails or, or the crypto networks, let's say, to um, transact and actually buy that property. Hmm. I like that. Okay. And so you got into this initially as a collector, yes. but it's since sort of evolved into a much, much bigger enterprise than that. Can you tell us what, what's happening now with with NFTs a bit? Yeah. So I think before I jump into like all of the, the crypto punk stuff, which I will in a second, I want to sure. show kind of where we're at in this space. So yeah. Visa back in August decided to buy a crypto punk. And if you look at the engagement here, they have 29,000 likes, they have 15,000 retweets and 2,000 comments. Uh, and mm -hmm. the community is really engaged here. Like they loved this move. They thought this was great. And Visa's yeah. methodology here is like, you know, NFTs are a new payment model, right? And they have um, at Visa this kind of collection of artifacts from the early yes. payment times. They have yeah. a early credit card. They have an early what's called a ZipZap machine, which was the first credit card terminal. Um, mm -hmm. And so for them, NFTs was like, we need to add a CryptoPunk because it was the first time that you know this new payment model was created. And so they went and did that. But if you look at their engagement on their Twitter, uh, it's quite substantial. If you go look at other Visa tweets, I mean, they get 13 likes, two retweets. You know, the engagement here, 11 likes, three retweets, it's not as big as the engagement that Visa got here. And, and what this is telling Visa, it's the market signaling to Visa that there is a group of consumers that love this technology, that are passionate about crypto mm -hmm. in general. And if you're a company here, a financial institution or a tech company, you have to be looking at this and thinking, wow, like, you know, that is signaling to the market that you know, hey, we care about you. And they are responding um, at quite a big level here. So uh, it's definitely interesting to see these kind of engagement metrics. I agree with you. Good, good on Visa. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess the, the question that, that then comes to my mind immediately. So we see what Visa is doing with it and we kind of get an, a sense of why it's important for them being collectors of these artifacts and, and maybe similar to you with the way you started out with it as a collector. What what does, but I'm wondering, what does an NFT mean to somebody who's sort of like a, a digital creator? This is a great question. So I'm going to take that in two parts. So I'm going to talk about what an NFT means right now to people. Mm -hmm. This is Jason Durillo. Jason Durillo reaches 300 million people with his content, and he has yeah. a CryptoPunk. We have the one and only Snoop Dogg right here. He reaches probably a billion people with his music over the years. Mm -hmm. He has a CryptoPunk. You have Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, hmm. CryptoPunk. You have Mr. Sean Carter, the King of yeah. Culture, Jay-Z. You know, he has a CryptoPunk. So what we're seeing right now is that people who have come into the NFT space as collectors, um, they use it kind of as like a quote unquote digital flex, let's say. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the in the old world, people would buy watches or they'd have a, a mansion or you know they'd have a, a Lambo or whatever. And you know you can know. get a Toyota Corolla or you can live in a normal house. But the reason they have these items is because it projects some sort of sh- social status or you know some mm-hmm. sort of they want to show off their wealth. And I think in this new world, this digital world, especially during COVID. Um, people are now going to these collectible items because, you know, it can signal to the market also that they're showing off their kind of digital uh, version of that. And it brings them some credibility. So that's kind of how the market has come around these items and why these celebrities have gotten into it. I like it. I think it also shows that, you know, hey, I'm on the, the cutting edge. Yeah. And I mean, like, Snoop Dogg here, he is creating um, a virtual experience in uh, Sandbox, which is an NFT virtual world, let's say. And, you know, he's going to do concerts in that virtual world and and he's not going to do a physical concert, right? And so the only way to get access to that virtual world is to be in that world. And so we're seeing these virtual worlds that what this quote unquote, the metaverse and Facebook here is making a massive play on this. Facebook is going mm-hmm. all in on this. And the reason is, is because it attracts people to these spaces. Travis Scott did a concert in Fortnite, same yes. kind of, you know, metaverse style thing. And so, um, yeah, Snoop Dogg, like you mentioned, Jay is on the cutting edge of, of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And you mentioned there was a second way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, for creator side, so there's two sides of this. So there's the collectible side and then there's the creator side. Before we get to the creator side, I just want to show what the market looks like for these items, and then mm-hmm. it will tee up um, kind of what the opportunity is for creators. Okay. So CryptoPunks was the first, and this is what the CryptoPunks market looks like. And so you can see some of the aliens that have um, transacted here, you know, $8 million, $8 million, $5 million. Wow. The ape here, this Gary Vaynerchuk bought this for $4 million. Uh, this one is owned by Snoop Dogg at $2.08 million. So you can see the value that is transacting here is very significant. This is not just like, you know, here's $50 there, $50 here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that these are transacting at these valuations is because within the CryptoPunks, the 10,000 collection, you have yeah. different attributes. So you have aliens, apes, zombies, female, and male. And they have nine, 24 apes, 88 zombies, 3,800 female, and 6,000 male. And then within that, you have sub-attributes. You have, I don't know about 100, but at least 50 sub-attributes, like cap forward, you know, front beard, 3D glasses Mm -hmm. are really popular. And they all have valuations. Uh, This is 200F, which is at current value. This is $800,000 for the cheapest CryptoPunk with 3D glasses. So you can see that some of these attributes can kind of add up in, um, you know, their valuations. Um, And so, yeah, it's just, this was where it all started. So this is like the Mona Lisa of digital art and NFT collectibles. And they're the ones that created this market. Uh, And it's transacted quite a bit. I like that analogy, the the Mona Lisa of, of digital art. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy. Like when I show people this, they're like, that's absurd. No one's why would anyone pay that kind of money for these things? And at the end of the day, like there's this concept called a social construct, which states that something, something exists because enough people believe it exists. And so Mm -hmm. this market exists because there's buyers and sellers 
that all agree on what the price should be for these things. And that's why it exists. That's why the whole yeah. NFT space exists. Yeah. And I think that there, there's some cool tech behind so, some of these projects as well. Right. So it's not just like somebody sitting with, with an iPad and, and drawing up some images, but there's some algorithmic tech that goes into actually creating these images as well. Correct. Absolutely. So decentralized finance is people that can transact with financial products, but instead of an RBC or a TD being in the middle there, creating that product, uh, it is peer to peer. And so what sits in the middle, instead of RBC or a Christie's or Sotheby's sitting in the middle, uh, the smart contract sits in the middle. And so all the smart contract is, is, um, you know, some code that says, here are the rules of the contract similar to how you have rules of a board game right that show you how to play it if you do these inputs the rules tell you what's going to happen with those inputs and then there's an output and so all it is 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 code and what happens is when you commit it to the ethereum network it is then executed on yeah and so let, let's talk about those contracts a little bit because I, I know one of the cool things that got a lot of creatives interested in nfts is the ability to have these contracts and build in a way so that as a creator, you can continue to claim royalties from these NFTs, yeah. even after, even when they change hands, as they continue to change hands throughout the years. Can you speak a bit about that? So here's a project called Board Ape Yacht Club. This was came after CryptoPunks really uh, exploded in popularity back in um, February, and uh, they blew up as well. And so the founders here, what they did is also create a royalty fee that so uh, every time one of these transacts, there is a, um, a fee that the founders get. And I think you can see it. You can see it when you go to actually like connect your wallet and transact, but I don't transact on this computer. Part of uh, crypto security 101 is yes. I use a completely separate laptop, but uh, I think their transaction fee is like 5%. So every time one of these sells, you know, they're getting 5% of 32 ether, which is, um, you know, that's 1.5 ether, which is about 6,000 us dollars. So you can see as a creator, you know, if you create this engaged, this great artwork and you create this engaged community, um, and it starts to transact, that's a new monetization model. And that's really yeah. exciting. Yeah. And I mean, this solves for a lot of problems of the early internet as well, because in the early internet, uh, if you think about it, you would have things like, you know, people would create fonts or create music, and then it would end up mm -hmm. on Napster and just download it for free. Yes. Uh, in this new internet age, uh, these systems, NFT solves for a lot of those problems because look, anyone can come to this and right click and save this image. Like if you want this on your phone, you can take it. If you want to put it on your Twitter profile, nothing's stopping you from doing that. Right. However, you don't own it, right? It's like if you go to the Mona Lisa and you take a picture of it, yeah, it's on your phone, but you know, is an art gallery going to pay you a hundred million dollars for it? No. Same thing here is, you know, the smart contract only recognizes the Ethereum ownership receipt. And so you get this kind of dynamic where, you know, you have Stephen Curry that has a bored ape. And, you know, thousands of his fans are like, yo, I want his ape. So they change their profile picture to his ape. But yeah. at the end of the day, he still owns the original. And so it creates these kind of really engaged communities. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I imagine, like you're saying, having your fans also engage with, with your particular board ape, I'm sure also increases the value of it as well. Absolutely. Like if Jay-Z or Snoop or any of these guys were to go to sell their CryptoPunk, mm-hmm. they aren't going to sell it and it won't transact at the floor price or which the floor price is the minimum price. So right. you can see floor price here. So the minimum cool cat is 7.6 Ether. And so, like I was mentioning, Jay-Z and these guys, is it would be like, wow, that was Jay-Z's CryptoPunk. You know, I can see his wallet address there. I verify that he was the previous owner. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of in the traditional physical world. Like if you had an expensive watch that was owned by, you know, let's say a celebrity, like yeah. you kind of have to take the watch company's word for it. You wouldn't know for sure. But in the digital world, you can actually physically track it and see it. It's complete ownership history. That's great. So uh, I think we, we, we were saying before that NFTs started in, in 2017 with, with, with the punks. Um, and so we, we've, we've kind of sort of gone through a, a bit of that history. So I think that the progress was from crypto punks, which, which we've all heard about, board apes, which you just mentioned. And uh, we, we, so, and Crypto Kitties is the one that I'm really familiar with. When, when does when does that happen? Does that that happen before Board Apes, right? Oh yeah. So uh, I'll come back to Cool Cats in a second. But here is the chronological order from when. So this is when CryptoPunks were launched. Yeah. June 2017. Um, I was like buying them in July here, right after the free drop. Crypto okay. Kitties was in October here. That's when they launched yeah and then you know nothing happened for four years so Mm. chronologically you have crypto punks crypto kitties a little later that year and then absolutely nothing you know and even up to january of 21 2021 open c's transaction volume on their platform was like eight million dollars for the month of um january or something like that Mm -hmm. and then you know the in in as of October or August, sorry, of this year, it was up to four billion dollars. Wow, wow, that's that's incredible. So so what happened in 2021? What what was the catalyst for that? So the NBA came in, and what essentially they did is they took their content, right? So video footage of the games, mm-hmm. and they chopped it up into what are called moments. And they added some scarcity around those moments. So you have a player like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, um, and they have moments of their games, like maybe a a famous Vince Carter dunk in the game Mm -hmm. or Vince Carter's final three-point shot, right? Like that they handed Vince the ball and said, hey, man, like you're a legend. This is your last game. Like you take this open three, you know, and he drills it, right? Like gives me chills thinking about it right now. And so what you do is you can buy – that moment right there right and it trades freely and so the nba did this and they had 700 million dollars in volume in like four months Mm. and so what the nba realizes like wow this is a new monetization model and so long story short you know uh gary vaynerchuk um you know he was really key on making punks very popular and he said okay who was first doing this who was the first people to do nfts and that's where he arrived at CryptoPunks. Mm-hmm. And that's why you saw this kind of exponential boom. And like for some context here, you know, as of October of last year, there was daily volume of like 80 grand on CryptoPunks. 
And as of, you know, the height in August, in one day, it hit $143 million mm. in one day. That's amazing. That's some super, some, some super exponential growth there. It's crazy. So what spawned out of it is great projects like Cool Cats. So Cool Cats, the creator came and keep in mind, the creator's making five, at least 2.5 to 5%, up to 10%. So the creators of Cool Cats have made potentially $20 million and that's kind of conservative. And so what you're seeing here is like a Nintendo has to be paying attention to this because what what's happening is intellectual property like Cool Cats is being put on the internet and customers or users are coming in and they're voting with their wallet. Mm -hmm. This is the content we like. This is the intellectual property we like. And so the model is no longer Nintendo saying, here's Pokemon, come buy our stuff. Yeah. The model in the future is going to be Nintendo saying, hey, we should partner with Cool Cats to create a game for kids. And actually, this is exactly what happened. Time Magazine, one of the largest, most popular publications in the world, approach cool cats and now they're building a kid series with it oh. and so instead of nintendo owning that ip and nintendo getting rich uh the community that owns these cats the value of their individual cats have gone up i love that and so it's a new monetization model i i hadn't heard of that and i i love it also not just because of the monetization side but because of the community aspect as well i think that really encapsulates what the whole uh, crypto movement is about. It's about having communities yeah. that are able to vote and and have a say through you, your ownership of these tokens. You, you know who else is doing it? Not not from an NFT standpoint, but but through tokenization, the uh, U European football leagues. And so they yes. allow for you to buy tokens that then let you have a say in, in certain things that the, the companies and, and teams do th throughout the year. Here it is. Uh, you have what's called fan tokens. Yeah. And I'll just exit this. Um, and so you can bet or no one like to say bet, but you can kind of invest in the future decisions on all of these European football leagues, yeah. soccer, if you're in North America, but uh, you know, Paris St. Germain, they get like, a, you know, a new player and all of a sudden the value of their token goes up mm -hmm. and, I mean, they're really interesting kind of experiments because um, on the platform, once you buy these tokens, you actually can go and vote on marketing stuff. Yeah. You can vote on like Jersey design or like what the walkout song is mm -hmm. like all really like engaging stuff that I think is just great for sports. All right. Well, Josh, you've got me hooked. Okay. So how, where would I get started? Like what are the, the tools and marketplaces that, that I dive into? Look, at this point, I'll, I'll say that a lot of this can be seen as like an investment opportunity. I want to warn people that we mm. don't know what's going to happen here. You know, a lot of this is probably not going to be worth a lot in the future. And, you know, at some point there'll be a market that's not favorable. Yeah. It's what's called bear market. Um, just like any other market that exists, art has the same thing. Everything goes through cycles. So I want everyone to be careful and also, when you're experimenting with crypto, take your time, be careful. Don't click links in Discord. Don't click links from people that you don't recognize. And if Elon Musk says he's giving away something, he probably isn't. Absolutely. So don't click on anything. With that said, these are the four core platforms that you will use to okay. participate in this space. 
So Coinbase is where you can buy crypto in mm -hmm. Canada. We have Coinberry, uh, which is a regulated exchange in Canada. Uh, MetaMask, which sits as a browser plugin here, is your basically your gateway to um, you know this ecosystem. And so you don't have like a, an account with OpenSea. You literally have your MetaMask and you go to OpenSea and see it's already even connected to my wallet because it senses that my mm -hmm. metamask is in my browser and i literally just go connect so that's how that works and now i could actually go and list an nft if i wanted yeah. to monetize my creation or i could go buy okay. an nft that exists um the other platforms is so one is called lazy.com so lazy.com is uh, owned by mark cuban and it's how you actually go and visualize your nfts so if I go to lazy.com-jdones, uh, this is actually in my Twitter bio. This is how other people can come see my collection. So if you think like at home, you know, people aren't coming over to your house, especially during COVID, they aren't going to see the art on your wall, but anyone can go to my wallet and see my CryptoPunks and any other random NFTs uh, in oh, my wallet. You. Some of these I didn't put in here. Other people put in my wallet, but... Um, for instance, uh, this is art from a Palestinian Canadian artist. Uh, I was on a live stream with him, and live I bought one of his pieces on stream, and he was uh, he was loving that, which was uh, just great. an awesome so, experience. So it's sort of like a a, a gallery for or a portfolio of of your NFTs, yeah. Correct. Yeah, and then lastly, OpenSea is the big marketplace, but there's also other ones uh, called ones popular one for individual artists is called okay. foundation this is where you'll find um you know OpenSea has a lot of everything but some kind of specialize in mm -hmm. in kind of verticals so foundation is very much focused on art and i believe some photography uh and i'll show you what that looks like but just like OpenSea, it is also um you know works with metamask and that's how you you buy yeah. art here as well. Yeah, so I, I was saying this actually is one of the things that was a concern for me initially with the NFT space is just sort of being able to visualize these NFTs in a way that's pleasing. I, I get the whole hype around sort of buying it and having the social proof that I own it, but I wasn't sure how then do I show it off? And I'm glad you walking us through and showing us people using them as, as avatars on, on Twitter or, or having the galleries or, or, be, or other companies that are coming and creating these really great ways of visualizing them. Yeah, and, and like at the top of the show where mm -hmm. I had my LinkedIn open, like it, this NFT has become part of my personal brand and part of who I am. So exactly right, Jay. It's kind of like on all my socials and just part of me. and. And yeah, I have a, another great example of how people can participate. So Curtis McDowell is on the USA fencing team. And when he went to Tokyo, the Tokyo games, before he left, he really wanted to take crypto to the games. Mm -hmm. He's like, Josh, how can I do that? I was like, you know what, Curtis actually use one of my crypto punks, like change your Twitter avatar to a crypto punk. And so he tweeted out and he had like two followers at the time. And if anyone knows how hard it yeah. is to build an audience on Twitter, like to go from zero to a thousand followers takes forever. And so he had two followers and within a week we had like this tweet here went like 
crazy. It had 800 likes. Gary Vaynerchuk followed and retweeted, and it just like kind of like blew up. And so it's just you know another way to market is to by joining these mm -hmm. communities, right? And so going out, either borrowing a CryptoPunk from someone else or finding an NFT that you like. And if you're a digital artist, you should change your profile picture to that. And you should get into those Discord communities, get into those Twitter communities and engage because as you build your audience, those and you then yeah. release your own collections, it helps you in, in having okay. success. So let's talk about that, at, I guess, a bit. So from, from the creator perspective, what advice would you offer to a creator who's trying to get involved in, in NFTs? A great place to start is like if you go to Upwork and you search NFTs, there's right now 3,600 3, open jobs. So if you're a digital artist, you can start here and you know make sure you vet out who you're working with and that you're working with really great projects. But you know, likewise, like Twitter is where mm. this is all existing, you know, and I I'm not logged into Twitter on this specific computer, but if you go to the feed, like it's just amazing, the engagement. And so Jay will link my Twitter. And if you go to my um, follow yeah. list, like who I follow, and if you see a CryptoPunk, go follow them. Everyone with a NFT avatar, go follow them. Uh, and Jay's going to link my Definitely. Twitter in the show notes. And that's a great way to know who you should be getting information from, who you can network with. Like feel free to DM and respond to their tweets and comment. They like this community is very opening and helping people come in and being part of that community. Okay. And so what, what can you expect as, as a newcomer, uh, going into the space? What, what should you be looking for? Like what, what is sort of the, the questions to be asking the, the attitude to have as you going in? Yeah. I mean, I think there's like this, people have this notion that they're going to get like rich doing this, you know, <laughs> or that, um, like they're going to sell artwork just because they do NFTs means that they're going to sell their work. Yeah. And it, it's no different than if you're on the street in New York trying to sell your art. I mean, even once Banksy did that and people didn't realize it was Banksy, <laughs> but then those art that was bought at the street for, you know, 20 bucks ended up being worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Right. So it's like, no one is just necessarily going to come and buy your art. You have to build a community and you have to have a story that's interesting right. and you have to engage with people and get your brand out there and join Twitter spaces, become a speaker on Twitter spaces. If you've never done a Twitter spaces or a clubhouse, um, you know, you're, when you're a speaker, you're up at the top of the list and people can click on your profile and add you on Twitter. These are all really great things to do mm -hmm. um, to get your name out as a creator and so yeah, like the technology is great. The marketplace is there, but you as a creator, the work is on you to like get yourself out there and get yourself known to, to collectors. Yeah. So definitely not a get rich quick scheme. <laughs> no, I mean, in February of this year, it might've yeah. been, but at this point it's, it, the market is very competitive. Yeah. And I think that the market is, is maturing as well. People are, are catching on to what is sort of the, the usefulness of, of, of these tokens and what, um, where you can expect them to go. Like you said, the, the, the community is very open about what it's doing. So tell me, so as, as we start wrapping up this conversation, uh, one of the things that you said that was really intriguing to me was about when we started talking a bit about the future of the NFT space and 
the sort of merging together what I see of the new metaverse space and all of the stuff that's happening with um, Fortnite, Epic Games, Facebook moving to the metaverse, and then what we see happening here with, with NFTs and this sort of digitization of, um, of real tangible items. So what do you think is the future of, of the of NFT space going forward? Yeah, and you're exactly right. So we have these two parallel systems. This is how to think about it. You have on one hand, the NFT space where you have games and like interesting, you know, images and all these experiments. And what I think is happening here is what I call the financialization of digital media, which is a very large space. And if you mm -hmm. think about it, more people care about by a number of people care about cat videos on YouTube or Charlie bit my finger or the overly attached girlfriend meme, you know, people care about internet culture more so than they care about Bitcoin, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so that space is massive and it's growing and that's kind of the next wave of crypto adoption. On the other side, you have these closed ecosystems like Fortnite, like Warzone, And, uh, those are like, you know, call of duty. And in those games, you know, you can buy digital assets, the original, um, People to do this was uh, in Counter Strike Go. They used to sell skins of guns, and some of these skins would sell for like five grand in this closed ecosystem. But last year in 2020, 54 billion dollars of virtual goods was bought in Warzone, Fortnite, and a few other titles. Hmm. Roblox is another popular one. So we're seeing these two yeah. parallel worlds that are starting to come together. So the financialization of digital media and people buying virtual items and seeing those as valuable. And where does that leave us? Well, now you have then Facebook. Facebook is now going all in on metaverse. They have yes. VR goggles. They're creating uh, hardware and technology for these environments to exist. Um, and we're kind of seeing these three kind of worlds collide. And um, I think the future is just meaning that that is a trillion dollar space, multi-trillions of dollars. It, it's massive. Um, and our economy, you know, our economy is a largely a fossil fuel based economy. Like our planet has finite resources. And if we want economic growth to continue to grow, we can't just drill more minerals out of the ground and create more stuff that's bad for the environment. But what we should do is be investing in these virtual worlds where we can create jobs and economic prosperity. Um, and I just think that's an exciting future. Wow. Josh, you, you, I think you, you've, you've given us so much information here. I, I'm, I'm pretty thankful that I had, you reached out and, and we were able to connect and, and, and get this done. I know there was a lot of value. We're going to end the conversation here, but if they wanted to connect with you after the call, follow you, continue to, to get information from you, where, where would they find you? I shared at the top of the show, my LinkedIn, DM me on LinkedIn. If you want to add me on Twitter, it's M-Y-N-T underscore Josh. Um, you'll see the CryptoPunk there. Add me up on Twitter. And uh, I appreciate all you and all your time. If you're listening to this and you're here at this point of the podcast, thank you so much for your time. Um, let me know how the show went. DM me. I'm happy to chat with you and, and help you along your journey. I just think there's an exciting future here. And as young people, we get to build you know, a financial future and a financial infrastructure that we believe in. And I, I think that's a really exciting future. So 